1: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
2: It's 3 o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this. All of My Mochi's fabulous flavors like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream are only around 80 calories per piece. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg.
0: Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day, Canada, the next day, Thailand, then New York, London. You just never know. This week, we come to you from Playa del Carmen and the Hotel Paradisus in the state of Quintana Roo in Mexico. And you know what? We always like to localize the volunteer vacation opportunities wherever we go. And Playa del Carmen, in fact, the entire state of Quintana Roo is no exception. Keeping Kids in School is actually an organization dedicated to helping the less fortunate kids right here in the Playa del Carmen area receive well-needed school supplies for families that cannot afford just the basics. And here's the cool thing. They also provide English language lessons and many other things that allow you to volunteer and get involved and uh, it's a great opportunity for a morning or an afternoon but guess what the best thing is you're hanging with the locals the people who actually live here and who better to give you a tour of all the things you can do outside the resort than those very people and if you want more information it's easy it's kkis which stands for kid keep kids in school project.org or go right to our website PeterGreenberg.com. my next guest Knows a little bit about the area, uh, historian, environmental activist uh, Tiziana Roma. Welcome.
3: Uh, thank you very much for inviting me. I mean, you know, when I think of of, well, of
0: Cancun and most Americans, they have somewhat of a visibility for Cancun. They have somewhat of an awareness for it, but that's about all they know, mm-hmm. right? They they go to the airport. They're they're assaulted with everybody holding signs for meetings and conventions and resorts, and and they get they go right from the plane. Uh, assuming their luggage arrives, they go right from the plane to a van, to a resort, and never leave the resort. That's right. Right. That's not something I want to practice. I want people, look, you got to stay at the resort, you can enjoy the resort, Mm -hmm. but you also want to get out there and see the community. Mm -hmm. And that's really a lot about what you do.
3: Yes, that's right. Um, I have been for the last nine years of my life uh, trying to uh, make conscience within the community and also with uh, people about the importance of knowing the history of Cancun. And it makes Sound a little bit pretentious, you know, to hear about the history of Cancun because it's a rather uh, young uh, city. Very it, young. It was uh, just the last uh, April 20th. It was um, 48 years old. That is baby. Yes, it's a baby city. And it was ma- ma- very few people know that it was a wholly uh, a, um, a integral, uh, you know, uh, all together planned city from the beginning, very much like what happened in. Um, Brasilia, you know, the city that started, the first from, capital, yeah. exactly, that started from scratch, literally, and that it was designed in architects' uh, desks, you know. So many, uh, very few people know about that. And uh, I have been trying to uh, talk about this, you know, to local people, because Cancun has been uh, growing with people from all over the world, practically. Yes, but at the same time,
0: I think the challenge is if you don't do your homework, and at least peel back the
3: curtain, you lose
0: all that cultural identity.
3: yes, exactly, but we are also losing it as residents of the of the city because people are very used to mexican you know all the Mexican propaganda when you hear about uh, Mexican cities you in in, the, in your mind you have these Mexican little pueblitos, you know like the Mexican no, you, no, flavor it's
0: sombrero exactly dust.
3: exactly.
0: <laughs> Right uh, sombrero, yes. dust, the cactus, Speedy Gonzales,
3: exactly, all
0: exactly. the terrible stereotypes, a cactus, yes. and and a bad tortilla.
3: Yes, but we <laughs> we are more than that. And Cancun is like the the sum of many cultures because we have uh, people from living from all over the world, and we have also history completely different from the cities that started as uh, colonial cities in during the you know 16th century. You, we are a new city, and very few people know about that. So making. Um, Known all this, story, this history about Cancun, it's like an eye-opening for, for, uh, for the visitors alike. Of course, because,
0: mm-hmm. I, look, with all due respect to my somewhat ignorant American friends, mm-hmm. my goal in life is not to land in Cancun and go to Senor Frogs. I know. I mean, it, uh, with, no, with all due respect to Senor mm-hmm. Frogs, Yes, it's exactly. Not, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't travel all this way to go to TGI Fridays, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know. So the real thing is this. First of all, you got to get beyond that. Yes. In your mind. Mm. But the second thing is, from a from a literal physical perspective, within an hour of Cancun, you get so far beyond it in terms Mm. of the history.
3: Yes, of course. I I mean, the Caribbean, for example, you can you can get to Cuba, but you can also get to the peninsula, the Yucatan Peninsula and go to Chichen Itza and go to all those Mayan, which we have also in Cancun. Very few people know that Cancun was a Mayan port, you know, and we have within inside the hotel zone fourteen small ports, Mayan ports. Inside, some of them are inside the hotels. You so, know. But, so they're not
0: really operating.
3: No, of course they are not, but they are, you know, they are part of the of the, of the Mayan history. history of the Mayan heritage, and they have become like you know just with, inside the buildings, and nobody knows about them. Nobody knows that there is a big. Um, like a Mayan compound inside the hotel zone called El Miguelito and you don't have to go to other places i mean it's uh, it's okay if you go to other places but also cancun was an important part part of a mayan city called ekab you know and so we have a very uh, a strong influence of mayan people as well as people from all over the I world i have a
0: solution let's start a rumor
3: yes that señor frogs <laughs>
0: was an old mayan temple
3: yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> they worship this green frog
3: Yes. Yeah. Well, they, they can also worship like iguanas. You know, like of course. They, there are many iguanas. Oh, they're over, all over. They're all right? over this hotel. <laughs> yes, yes. I love
0: it. Yes. And they're not shy.
3: They are not at all. No. And they they are called Tolok in Maya. You know, the the Mayan name is Tolok. It's very simple. So it's it's also like <laughs> catching. But you know, you talk about
0: Chichen Itza or Tulum. Yes. All manageable distances from Cancun.
3: Yes, within uh, one hour and a half. Exactly. Uh-huh.
0: So if you're going to go to Cancun whether you see the old Mayan forts or aware that there even were Mayan forts, or port, or I should say ports, mm-hmm. within an hour and a half, you have day trips that are just phenomenal.
3: Yes, they are. Um, like uh, places in Yucatan, like uh, uh, Coloradas or uh, even Valladolid and the uh, cenotes and the sinkholes as well. But also in Cancun inside, uh, there's the we have all the... Um, architecture from the 1970s and there's a whole movement of like uh, like restoring you know and keeping that architecture and keeping You know
0: you're getting older when there's a movement to restore architecture I from know. the 1970s
3: I know I know the the light, latest movement was in South Beach, you know, with uh, with uh, 1930s uh, architecture.
0: But that was very <clears throat> distinct art deco architecture.
3: Yes, it was. Yeah, it, well, we have, like, the postmodern uh, uh, architecture, so that's what we have in Cancun. Yes. And many people complain that, uh, you know, Cancun is very similar to um, uh, United States, but they don't keep in mind that, you know, like, uh, Champs-Elysees is very similar to, uh, or, or Paseo de Montejo, or Paseo de la Reforma in Mexico, is very similar to Champs-Elysees. In, sure. In, in, so, we have the influence of the... Of the, of the Europeans. Exactly. And, and But in Cancun, we have the influence of the Americans because Cancun was speci- specifically planned for American tourism. I mean, it was specifically planned for that. Well, this explains
0: TGI Fridays. Yes. But we'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Tiziana Roma, who's a historian and environmental activist in Cancun. One of the things that I thought really distinguished Cancun in a way that they didn't get enough credit mm-hmm. is after the big hurricane... Mm-hmm. You didn't wait for the government to come in. Mm -hmm. It was the private sector that said we're not waiting, we're doing this ourselves. Yes. We're going to fix it. We're going to bring in the palm trees. We're going to bring in the, the huge bags of sand yes. and rebuild the beaches and rebuild the roads. And, they, yeah. and you did it. And
3: that happened twice. In record time. Yes, and that happened twice with Gilberto Gilberto in 1988 and with Wilma in 2005. And yes, that's very characteristic also of the Cancunenses, of the people of Cancun, that we, are, we don't wait and we are not asking for the government you know, to help us please and you know, to, until the government comes and, and picks up everything up.
0: Well, if you ever want to get a, a very good indication of the power of travel and tourism in the economy, uh, you know, we already know that travel and tourism is the largest industry in the world. It's 11 percent of global GDP. It's one out of every 10 jobs. But Even more importantly, it's one out of every five new jobs. hmm. Just go to Cancun.
3: Exactly. That's your economy. Yes, yes.
0: Right? And there's, there's no hedging that. That's what it is.
3: Yes, it is. And it has also become, like, uh, for for many people, Cancun has become like the American dream, but it's like the Mexican dream, not only for Mexicans, but also from people from all over the world. I mean, we have people, like, traveling, but also travelers become part of our, you know, the residents. And one thing that I would like to, you know, uh, emphasize is that, Tourists are tourists are part of the uh, local history of Cancun. They grew up with it. Yes, because that's that's where it's not like We are separated. We are very much like intertwined. You know, we're, we, we we live together. We are still
0: in a generational opportunity here for for a tourist to say, "I was in Cancun at the beginning." Toto, I'm we're not in Kansas anymore. Tiziana Roma, a historian and environmental activist. Now, you're not originally from Mexico, are you?
3: No, no. I was born in Brussels, in Belgium. As you would be. <laughs> yes, like uh, whoever. You know, but any, you've been here anybody. how long now? Yes, I arrived in Cancun when I was nine years old with my parents and my sisters. And Cancun was, in that time, only five years old. So, you know, it, it started, the history of Cancun started in 1970, and we arrived in 1975. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I have grown and, uh, with the city, and I have seen my city, the city growing be, before my eyes.
0: The question that is, is an inevitable question is how do you manage the growth?
3: I think it's part of the, um, it's, it's part of the whole package, because I'm very aware that Cancun was born to grow. You know, it was never a little small village, uh, fisherman village that started growing. We're know, not talking about Puerto Vallarta. Exactly. Right. Exactly. We're not talking about that, those kind of uh, places that started small and they started growing. Cancun was planned to be a touristic city to, you know, because of, it has also to, uh, to do with the Cuban Revolution. In, the 19, in 1958, Cu- Cuba closed its doors to the American tourism. So they started going to Las Vegas and to the Bahamas and the Mexican government said, "Hey, we're missing those we tourists. We have an
0: opportunity." Yes,
3: of course, and that's why the the, the the Cancun opportunity opened, you know, and they they planned the whole city. So and for for me it's never been a problem. Not even, I mean, sometimes I feel like uh, I shouldn't even complain about, you know, oh, we're missing the trees and the in the the rainforest and all that because I live where there used to be rainforest. I live where there used to be man- mangroves. So I don't know, I'm not sure about my my own po- posture, well,
0: you know. you've opened the door now to this next question, where there used to be mangrove.
3: Of course. That was my question. Yes. How do you manage the growth so you protect
0: the mangroves? How do you manage the growth so that it becomes an asset for people who are visiting to appreciate those mangroves?
3: Well, I think that we have just become aware of that of that issue, you know, like it's just very recent. In the 1970s, I mean, if Cancun was... See, in the 1970s
0: it was all about growth. Yes. And now you just woke up.
3: Exactly, exactly. If Cancun was a project to, be, to start now, it wouldn't be even possible, you know, because the environmentalist activists would w- wouldn't let it, you know, wouldn't let it grow or start it, or even start, you know. But in the 1970s, they were thinking about a city with, a, you know, like um, garden cities. They were uh, thinking where the people would work and where the people would uh, take rest and, you know, go to, to their houses. You can go to any city in the world and you can imagine that there used to be woods, you know, and the forest. And the so it, it, the same happens with Cancun. So we, now we have uh, this old um, uh, issue that we have to stop. It and that sustainable um, what are the uh, projects and all that yeah. yeah, we have to start talking about well, that. for
0: example, where we are right now in Playa del Carmen, yes. they're a good example of that preservation i yes. mean on, on the way to this hotel you 're going to see mangroves
3: yes you, you're going to see mangroves, but on the other hand, on some places, you can see people fighting to keep the man- mangroves like in Puerto Morelos or even in Cancun in Cancun, what we are fighting for is just keep the beaches because we don't we are not able you know the people from cancun we are not able to go to the beach that's very that's problematic and maybe that's not a very nice uh, issue but it's something but it's that, an important issue yes it's something that is really happening because many people that work you know for the hotel zone and all that are not able to enjoy the 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 beach and the sand and uh, you know all the the things that the tourists enjoy and and that was the original plan was to have both, to have both ways, the people from the city and the people from outside to enjoy both ways. All
0: right. So the question now becomes. Is that possible
3: still? Y- yes, I think it is possible, especially now with, you know, the social media and things that are happening, you know, in the Internet. We get acquainted with things that are happening right in, uh, w- when they are happening in the moment, you know, like Greenpeace and all that. We can get, you know, the attention of things that have happened even in Cancun that have happened with the mangroves, for example, that, you know, the, the activists came in and, and, and we got the attention from the world.
0: So you actually have had some victories. Yes, we have, yes. What's, what's your biggest victory to date?
3: So far, um, I, was, uh, uh, I was defending with a group of people the city hall. And uh, they criticize us because it is ugly and it's, uh, you know, we don't have to keep it. But we managed to keep the city hall where it's been since uh, about 40 years old, four four years ago. Mm -hmm. And so we managed to keep it because it has to do also with the beginning of the history of Cancun. Of course. But I have to ask the question, is it ugly? Look at me. Yeah, I I like it. I like it. It, It's inspired in Oscar Niemeyer's architecture and the architect of Brasilia. So it's i I defended it because I liked it because for me it's beautiful, you know, like the big monuments in the city they are not subject to particular uh taste, right. you know, and so th- that's not the issue, you know, whether I like it or not, it has uh, a specific. So you saved it. Yes,
0: and it's still operating as a yes, city Yes, it home? is,
3: it is, it is, and we are very proud of it. And some parks that we have managed to save, and we are also defending now, like the bike path that it, is, it was originally planned with the city. So we are. So defending, you're keeping that. Yes, we are trying to keep it because they are like landmarks of our city, you know. And we and if we don't keep that, Cancun will will stay like in a frivolous, you know, state, like it has, it, it, like it doesn't have a soul. And what I'm trying to to communicate to the people, whenever I can, you know, even. whether I write it or in a video in my TEDx talk or whatever, is Cancun has a soul, you know. Cancun has soul, and Cancun has people with soul, and Cancun has people who love it.
4: Hello and welcome to Alaska Flight 438. We'd like to tell you now about some important safety features of this aircraft. The most important safety feature we have aboard this plane is the flight attendants. Please look at one now.
1: (laughs)
0: It's an expat parade here on the show, and uh, my next guest admits to being from New Jersey and then, and then North Carolina, and now she's based here and writes here uh, for everybody. Uh, her name is Kara Bolton. How long have you lived here, Kara? Uh,
2: I've only lived here for almost two years, Peter. So you're the baby? I'm the baby of the bunch. Yep. But why here? That's a good question. Uh, well, the, uh, the folks can't look, but the ocean, most mostly more than anything else, and the food and the people, but mostly the ocean. And what are you writing about? depends on what day it is. So today I had a piece uh, for CNN about Janelle Monae and Beyonce. Sometimes I write restaurant reviews. Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. Beyonce in Playa del Carmen?
2: In Playa del Carmen.
0: Was she hanging out here?
2: No, no. It was a it was a piece about uh, black women in America and what it's like being black these days. Put a ring on it. Yes.
0: (laughs) Well, I was giving my Beyonce ode. Okay, fine. Bless
2: your heart. Hey, come on. (laughs)
0: But thing is, you're writing from here, but not always just about here,
2: yes, I write ab- about here, and then I write about stuff in the states too. It depends on uh, who the who I'm writing for
0: but as a writer here, yes. you know, every, look, the beautiful thing about writing these days, given technology, you, you could be anywhere, right? Yes. I mean, as long as you have access to the internet and, and, and a telephone line where you actually have a conversation like we're having, you can do it from anywhere. But why here? What keeps you here?
2: I ask myself that question every day. And I think it is, part of it is the natural beauty. This area is gorgeous. I live on the jungle side near a little town called Akumal, which is south of here. And then I can also walk maybe 15 minutes to the beach and and for me, that's relaxing. And uh, there's a little bit of a wild, wild west mentality here, so there's lots of outlaws. I like that a lot. And the people here, are just they're warm, they're friendly, they're good people. You know. It's now,
0: when you say there's a wild, wild west mentality, don't scare all my friends back in the states. Nobody's having a shoot 'em up.
2: No, no, no. But there's a. It's very relaxed and it's very comfortable. It's non-judgmental, as opposed to some places we know in the states that are very judgy.
0: Right. So given the choice between, let's say, Ferguson <laughs> and uh, Playa del Carmen, you made the right choice.
2: I made an excellent choice.
0: I gotcha. But you, know, you also said something, it was interesting to me, that 15-minute walk to the beach, that's where you get to think. Yes. Right? Yes. You do your best thinking while walking to the beach.
2: Yes, and then looking at the water and, and contemplating life. And-
0: so all your friends from New Jersey and North Carolina at various times of the year who are freezing there, you know what's off, mm-hmm. and they want to come down and visit you, where do you take them?
2: That's a good question. I mostly take them to eat because I'm a foodie person. All right. Um, They like to go to the ruins. So if we have money and time, we get to go to Chichen Itza. So
0: basically, it's a food and ruins tour.
2: It's a food and ruins tour and beach. We have to have a beach day.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about the food first. Where do you take
2: them for the food? It depends on where they want to go.
0: No, it's where you want to take them.
2: Well, uh, if you're the guide here, I'm the guide. So if they want to go to Playa del Carmen, um, there are lots of places here. Lately, I've been in love with um, um, a Spanish restaurant called called El Quijote, tapas and wines. I went there this afternoon. And what's cool about that? Paella. Paella is my spiritual food. (laughs) And it's fantastic. And so they have great paella there. And then um, tinto de verano, which means summer wine, just a nice wine spritzer. And then you get to watch soccer on TV.
0: You were not a soccer fan in New Jersey.
2: No, no, but I was a soccer fan in North Carolina, and now I'm a soccer fan here.
0: Wow, ahead of your time. <laughs> All right, so that's where you go for, for, for the Spanish food.
2: Yes. Where else? So if I'm in Acomal, uh, that depends. Where is Acumal? Acumal is about 30 minutes south of Playa del Carmen mas o menos, and it's a little beach community, and, uh, and I live a little bit north of there, and that's kind of the town that I identify with because my friends are there.
0: Okay, and so where are you taking them or me for, for lunch or dinner?
2: Well, for breakfast, we're going to well, Turtle well, Bay. let's go to breakfast. Yeah, so for breakfast, we're going to Turtle Bay Cafe, which is run by Jen and Bartley Smith. And Jen has become my best friend. Another and expat. Angel. Another expat. Um, so we're going there for breakfast because they've got good uh, huevos rancheros and these cinnamon sticky buns that are out of this world.
0: So basically, after the cinnamon sticky bun, you're going to take that walk to the beach.
2: You need to because you need to work it out. Yeah. Yeah. If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. But now we move, we move to Tulum for lunch. For lunch. So it depends on where... Because we're about to do the ruins. We were about to do... The, so we did the ruins. We we swam. Oh, okay. We looked at- yeah, yeah, the, the cool
0: thing about Tulum is you can swim literally at the floor of the ruins. Yes. It's so, amazing.
2: So we've done beach day. We, w- we looked at the ruins. We go, wow, that's really cool.
0: And then somebody says, Kara, let's eat.
2: So then we, well, it depends on where you want to eat. Of course. So if we want to look at the beach and we want Thai food, we can go to Mezzanine. Okay, we're back to you know everybody's talking
0: about Thai food in Mexico.
2: It's the new thing. It's like what Italian food used to be a decade ago here.
0: So great Thai food.
2: Good Thai food, yes. There's a restaurant in Playa near Fifth Avenue. I wish I remember the name, but they also have good Thai food.
0: Okay, so what are we ordering? What what place are we going to? By the way.
2: We're going the mezzanine because we want to look at the beach and we want good music and we want to have great cocktails.
0: So great cocktails, great music, looking over the beach at the ruins, ordering Meekrob and Pad Thai.
2: Or um, we could order oh, Pad krapao, or we can order the Thai Queen South. This is the best date I have never had. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. So what are we what kind of salad?
2: Thai Queen salad, it's got like twenty different ingredients, including like apples and coconut and shrimp and it's fantastic. All
0: right, so that's lunch. That's lunch. But the day's just getting started because we have drinks and dinner.
2: So well then they stop drop and roll us across because <laughs> we like we're two tons of fun.
0: You know, when this when this interview's over, I'm gonna check for the police reports here. <laughs> Okay, so now where are we going?
2: So, we could go across the street to Kitchen Table, which is kind of like a Portuguese kind of food, or we can go further down Beach Road, and there are tons of well, wait, places. Wait, let's
0: stay at Kitchen Table for a second.
2: What are we ordering there? There's this pork kind of dish. It's not cochinita, uh, cochinita pibil, but it's some kind of pork dish with, oh, what do they serve it? With like the sweet potato puree, I think. And then they've got these roasted peppers. So, it's the only
0: Portuguese dish that does not include sardines? Yes. Okay, just double checking.
2: Okay. <laughs> and then got these roasted peppers red peppers with um oh it's so good so we need to go there and then we can hit down the road in beach road and there are tons of but places. we're still in tulum we're still in tulum yeah do you want to go where else do you want Well, no go? i'm still i'm i'm
0: to do dinner in tulum where are we going
2: okay so then uh let's see where we could go to senzlozle so that's more of a modern mexican restaurant a lot of innovative oh beaches. my god a mexican place i know shocker we could go there or we could go to la zebra for tacos so the chef there was the son of a taco uh, what's it the torta maker and so he's traveled through mexico and learned how to do all the regional dishes there wow
0: well for me my big love affair with mexican food i mean i don't you know in the world of globalization yes i you know can have thai food in mexico but i also want to have really great mexican food in mexico that's not a tortilla that's not a taco that's not an enchilada right yes and or a burrito yeah you know what i get What do you get? Almejas chocoladas.
2: Where do you get those?
0: Ah, you know what I'm talking about?
2: No, but it Ah. sounds good. It sounds great.
0: Well, it means chocolate clams. It's not chocolate. There's nothing chocolate about it. But they're brown clams Uh that you you, they basically heat them up with great garlic, a little bit of butter. Oh my god, the best.
2: Uh, So where are we going?
0: Well, that's in Mexico City.
2: Oh, well then we get on a plane. This is the best date never. (laughs) Oh my gosh.
0: You know what? That could be the title of my autobiography. The Best Date <laughs> Never. <laughs> All right, but but you see that's where I've I've learned that from a gastronomic experience point of view, Mexico is so world class yes. and people don't give it the proper credit.
2: Yes. They think it's tacos and tequila. Right. Yeah.
0: And you have we haven't even mentioned tequila, see?
2: No, we should have tequila too. Oh,
0: okay. Now I open the door. Okay.
2: Or mezcal because I like the smoky flavor. Explain the difference. Oh gosh, Um, I'm gonna get this totally wrong. So, for me, I'm gonna explain the experience I have. Go ahead. So, for me, tequila is like the bright sun of the Mayan. And Mescala. Well, after
0: three (laughs) drinks, everything's the bright sun of the (laughs) Mayan.
2: But then the next day, my hangover is not great it's like really bad but the mezcal has this smoky like sensuous flavor it's kind of like the jaguar in the jungle and my 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 hangover the next day is is not as sharp
0: so basically cara bolton's basic criteria for enjoying herself is how less bad the hangover is the next morning
2: <laughs> that's right you have to plan i mean i'm you know i'm in so my So now I'm beginning
0: to understand why you're still in Mexico
2: that's right <laughs> for the food because you
0: haven't woken up yet no
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm slumped over my bed as i'm talking to you
0: no, she's calling the story in on Beyonce. Yeah, Beyonce. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Right, exactly. But the bottom line is, it doesn't end, does it? It, it? it just keeps getting better down
2: here. Well, I've only been here, as we said, less than two years. There's so much for me to learn and so much to explore. So I, one of the great things about working for Local Gringo is I get to share and explore my love for the area with other people. And, you know, content being king, yes. you never run out. No, that's true, and there's always something around every
5: corner. Riding along
1: in my automobile My baby beside me at the wheel
3: bruising and playing the radio With no particular place to go
0: Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at wwwaudiblepodcastcom travel today to get a free audiobook and 30 day trial. You know, when we talk about this region, you know, there's the beach, there are the mangroves. There are the ruins. There's all the historical sites. But then there are the caves, the underwater caves, uh, the cenotes, and the and the rivers that are out there, too. And you have to know where to look, and you have to know what to do. You need to go with somebody who knows what they're talking about. But once you get there and you take instructions carefully and listen, boy, are you in for a great experience. And joining me now, the general director of Rio Secreto, the secret river, Otto von Bertram. How are you, sir?
5: Fine, Peter. Fine.
0: Now, it's an underwater cave.
5: Exactly. Well, it's a semi-flooded cave. Yeah. It's it's a peculiar system because it's not completely flooded, the Rio Secreto, so people can enter.
0: And where is it relative to where we are right here in, in Playa del Carmen?
5: Seven kilometers away from here. Totally close. It's really close. Too close. And so our project is really to preserving this place. It's 50 kilometers. We have map of underground river.
0: So it goes for 50 kilometers? 50 kilometers. Oh, my God.
5: Now, fresh water? Fresh water. Fresh Perfect, clear, crystal clear water. I, I drink from it every Fit time I fish? go in. Uh, only blind fish. That's a species that was trapped in caves. Blind and, fish. Yeah, and and what we have, it's uh, hardly any life inside the caves. Some bats, and the bats drop fruits, and, and, and there's... No danger at all. Well, if you're diving, there could be technical. Well, then you have to have somebody. a buddy. You got to go with a buddy. And, and lights. You need lights absolutely because in this fifty kilometers, just to to look around, sometimes you get you you, you lose the direction. Well,
0: so, you lose perspective. Exactly, exactly. <coughs> it's called situational awareness.
5: <laughs> when you go down there, can people snorkel it? Well, in Rio Secreto, what we did. It's a peculiar system, as as you know, in Quintana Roo, there's over almost 1,000 kilometers mapped of underground caves. Some of them flooded, some of them dry. Río Secreto is half-flooded. So and when we found it thirteen years ago, it, it, we got and this this is beautiful. This is a, a wonder of the world. And how did you find it? Well, um, I I've been here for twenty years doing ecotourism in Maya communities, and so my passion is just finding a hole and rappelling into it and seeing seeing what's inside. That that's what I do for a living and for a hobby. And
0: but, but for the Mayan villages, you also have to make it worthwhile for them.
5: Of course yeah. our projects with Maya community we have worked with five Maya communities in these 20 years and in all of them we have built ecotourism projects in their land So and it benefits so, them too Yeah of, of course they are the partners we only do the I do the design part the technical part the commercial part the security the the um, training of the locals and they operate it and so it's um our products do a lot of uh, Maya culture especially not not only the ancient culture in the ruins but today's culture their lives show them the, the Maya people are beautiful people They're for me it's a uh, high quality human beings really they laugh all the time the kids the elders they're so friendly they offer you their houses they open the doors and if you come as a foreigner I mean you can stay eat sleep on their house they're never as a friend, they're never going to charge you. It's, it's not a, a business transaction. Yeah. But, but they need the job. They need the job. So I, I, I've dedicated my life to live with the Mayas and to organize them so they can have the work they need. And, and, it, it, and it perpetuates. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's what we're trying. That's what we're trying, to make it last Because it's a culture that has been here for millennia, and it's it's being risk of losing because of modernity for technology. Now I'm sure
0: I I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Have you done all fifty kilometers?
5: Yes, of course. You have, of course. Uh, uh, Every inch.
0: How long did it take you to do that?
5: Well, it was one year. About one year. We when I first saw that cave, it was just a gallery, and the owner the owner who was one of the first landowner. He told me that was the area of the cave in his property. And I saw on a corner a passage, and I said, can I go there? And he said, well, it's not my property, but you can. And so the next day I came better equipped with more lamps, with helmets, wetsuits, whatever. And this passage took me to another gallery. And, and, another, gallery, and, and another, another, and another, and another. And it was amazing. It was just like dream. For me, it was more than I could imagine. And So how does
0: somebody listening to the show, knowing that it's only 7 kilometers from this hotel, how do they access Rio Secreto?
5: Well, we, as you might suppose, in all hotels we have publicity or whatever, and, and you can go in, it's in front of Scaret, it's on the highway, we have a reception there, and from there we organize the people in small groups and we take them into the jungle through these seven kilometers in which, in Rio Secreto it has 15 different exits. So we do traverses from one exit right. to another, and we only take small uh, group of people in each 10 minutes so that but, nobody sees each other. You always feel as you, were, as you were the first one to explore the place. And can you dive it? Well, the diving is dangerous there because uh, the water right. is not too deep. You and can we, snorkel it. Yeah, you can snorkel. And the diving, we only do it for exploration purposes. I got But it. the place is so beautiful. It's, it's a contemplation expedition. Hello, uh, this is your
2: captain speaking. There is absolutely no cause for alarm. a motor running, head out on the highway, looking
5: for adventure, and
0: whatever comes And one of my earlier visits to, to Cancun, probably about six or seven years ago, uh, I mean, I've been coming for many years, but at least six or seven years ago, I came into contact with an amazing sculptor, an amazing designer, who did something essentially after a hurricane, he uh designed the most amazing thing an underwater museum of art and joining me now Roberto Diaz who's the president and founder of that uh right off the coast it's 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 a sub aquatic museum isn't it
1: it is it's unique it's it's the only in its kind, and basically what it is about is about saving the natural reefs because what we we did is we wanted to distract or lure our visitors towards this beautiful art, this
0: But in amazing. a responsible way.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we're talking
0: about, what, 500 different sculptures down
1: there? 516 day. now. Who's counting? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but, I mean, the, the whole idea of it is to, is to basically do it intentionally uh, from day one, basically to design it, to build
1: it, and then to submerge it. Exactly. That's that's part of the story. How it started. And these are life-sized. Some of them are even bigger. They are monumental-sized. And uh, how do you? I mean,
0: I, the obvious way to see them, of course, is you is you, you scuba dive.
1: That's the better way of of doing it. And also, it's quite easy because it's only ten meters uh, the depth of. See, the I ocean. did it
0: by snorkeling.
1: And it was by it was fine. It wasn't it. It was fine. Yes, absolutely. And we have three exhibit rooms or galleries. The other two, because the one you visited is the one that has the, the most of them. There are 475. But we have two other galleries that are four meters deep. And that, that's a better way to snorkel though the sculptures.
0: Uh, what's the most unusual piece that's down there?
1: Probably uh, the, the beetle. We have two, two beetles because uh, people think is what we wanted to promote, the, the, the beetle. But it, it was not. The idea was to protest against the global warming, but uh, everybody thought it was placed in order to promote the uh, the brand, and it was not. You talk about a Volkswagen. It's a Volkswagen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> when you say Beetle in Mexico, it has another meaning. Exactly right. It's it true. It does. Uh,
0: and are you constantly
1: adding pieces? Constantly, yes. Uh, this year we have not placed anyone because uh, we we need more funds to to keep making them and also placing them on the wall is very expensive. So we are creating ways of getting funds. But know,
0: at the same time, you're already getting permits for 12 additional areas to exactly be able to right. place
1: the statues. That's that's true. When when we uh, filed for the permits, we were uh, thinking of making just a sculptural Park regular sculpture park but when we got permit for 12 different areas and 1300 pieces then we thought they should be a museum and that's the way it, it started you know it's
0: one thing to to try to save a coral reef to return it to its you know a, a much more pristine condition and and the fish and the wildlife that's underwater comes back what's come back since you put the statues down there
1: a lot of uh, new life uh, when, when we started uh, placing sculptures just one week after we did, we started seeing uh, this greenish cover on, on the sculptures, and fish loved it. And also, there are two other things that fish love about uh, sculptures one is protection because the predators are after them and there are not many, not many places where So to basically hide.
0: one fish says to the other, hide behind the beetle.
1: Exactly, or they're <laughs> different feet of the sculptures because it's so, so crowded down there among these sculptures. And the second thing you really don't know is that fish and life needs shadow. There's a lot of sun down there. So when there's shadow, a lot of fish gather together in order to get some rest of the sun.
0: And you can also target some areas that maybe on the on the, on the on the threshold of having a real problem or devastation, and maybe even save that with the sculptures like Isla Mujeres. It's true.
1: Absolutely true.
0: Right? I mean, there's a place where you can actually go there, target it, and say, let's get the statues, let's get the permits. It's not only great art, but it's actually performing a function.
1: Exactly. That's why we, we are called the art of conservation. There's a place in Islam Mujeres called Farito that's pretty shallow, and... Uh, Probably 100,000 people visit Well, that's next area. to
0: Isla Mujeres, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. But quite next. Yeah. And it's uh, and it's our goal for next year to place new sculptures. And then half of the people that are visiting El Farito now, they're going to go and visit the sculptures. And that way, we're going to create a, an aid, help for, for the natural reef. For people to learn more, and before we run out of time, what's the website? It's www. MusaMexico.org O-R-G organization Great. Toto I'm
0: repeating we're not in Kansas anymore My next guest knows a little bit about this hotel, the Paradisus, right here in Playa del Carmen, because he's the managing director. And his name, Conrad Burger. How are you, sir?
4: Good, Peter. Pleasure to have you here with us. Now,
0: of course, in, in keeping with globalization in the hotel and hospitality industry, you're not from Mexico, you're from the Netherlands. That's right. But you've been here about eight years, right? Eight years.
4: Coming off, and, uh, it's been eight years now that I'm in this uh, nice, beautiful Mexico, my second home, away from home, and at this Always good to be here.
0: You know, one of the things that I noticed from the minute I walked in, and if and if uh, truth should be full disclosure, we, you and I were recently back in, in Buenos Aires uh, for the World Travel and Tourism Council. Where we broadcast this show from, and you were one of the nominees for the responsible tourism for tomorrow awards that is right for doing what
4: uh sustainability uh, we were in uh, there were uh, hundred and seventy five companies that applied from those hundred and seventy five three were the fa- finalists that was the airport of Hong Kong an island in the in the Ocean and then of course uh, Melia hotels international through our property uh, which is the Paradiso play del Carmen
0: but what were you doing here specifically to qualify you for that award
4: uh uh, community involvement, that is what uh, what we're looking at and uh, to make the change now uh, in that part of su- sustainability.
0: You know, for me, sustainability always involves following the money, you know, if someone stays at a hotel, how much of that money goes back to the locals? How much of the money goes back to the communities? Whether you're in the, in the middle of a safari in Africa or on the beach here in, in Playa del Carmen?
4: Yeah, that is true. Uh, you have to give back what you receive and uh, that is what we try to do to make a difference. Sustainability is a big word and it includes a lot of things. It is not only going green or uh, look for the uh, carbon footprint. It is also to make consciousness with the guests that are staying here. Uh, to educate them. Uh, yes, that is the most important thing. Uh, connect with them. Talk about what's going on. Talk. About about the difference you can make that we are making in our community what we are doing you know I
0: mean we we take so much for granted we're at a resort we go to the bathroom we flush the toilet where does that
4: water go yeah well all that water what we do here we recycle them but that is true normally in person uh use in their home an average uh, home uh, about 60 gallons a day in a hotel this uh are around 100 gallons a day because there is no conscious. they're on vacation yeah I don't care you 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 Put on your vacation ship. I paid
0: my money. I'm going to let that faucet run. And that's right.
4: And that's also in the part of the restaurants, the food, you know. Uh, even they know uh, they will not throw away food at their homes. Here it is, uh, I pay for it. So uh, what we try to do is make a difference and make a conscious consciousness with them and, and tell them, eat what you can eat. Do not uh, throw away anything because uh, uh, with this, we can feed other people. We can feed our community. We can feed the, more, the, 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 the needless ones that we have here.
0: Well, you know, I I always kind of giggle at the whole concept of the all-inclusive for one reason. The very first day that somebody shows up, (laughs) they drink like fish, they eat like elephants. I mean, it's like, right? It's like, it's unbelievable. Then they wake up the next morning. It's more drinking than eating. Well... But then they wake up the next morning going, whoops. Yeah. What did I do? And then the consumption gets down to a reasonable level.
4: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It is is like that. The first day is a happy day and happy meal and happy hour. (laughs) And then the last day, the same thing. Then they go back home. They're making up for lost time. But you know, it's part of the business. The important part is uh, to give back to, to our communities. We have uh, different programs going on. Uh, sustainability, uh, we divide it in, in, in different programs. One of them is to have an uh, uh, inclusion program, what you call Inclusion, that is... Uh, Persons that are handicapped that can uh, we have uh, older people that are already over 65, 70 working with us, and, and it is an interesting to see their sense of belonging from those persons and their dedication. Ooh, it is. I would I, I would like to have the whole staff like that. They are completely involved in what they are doing, and they are passionate what they are doing. The
0: other thing that I noticed when I checked in, because I'm very, very aware of this organization, I've talked about them on the on the air before. We've done television shows about them. Is ECPAT, yeah. uh, which stands for End child prostitution and trafficking Completely. it's amazing to me how many hotels have still not signed the pledge to do that to, to refuse to do business with any vendors that are involved in child prostitution or trafficking or child labor and it you, this is where hotels can make such a big difference
4: yes yes that's true uh, especially in the first part well we, uh, we we do not tolerate zero tolerance regarding this uh, if something like that happened and it does not happen because we we have those, um, uh, how we can call it, those uh, indicators all around the hotel. So it is like saying, "Watch out! Don't do it here." But yes, we need to work on this. As an as an industry itself, not only in Mexico, but uh, if you go around the world, uh, I have seen some things, uh, especially in Asia, and I would say, wow, this uh, is cannot cannot yeah, Asia be.
0: Asia was a huge offender, yeah. huge offender, and I finally figured out what it was. Part of it was the revenue that the hotels were getting from pornographic films in the room that the actual pornographic films were exploiting
4: children.
2: Yeah.
0: And they didn't want to give up the revenue. Well, so far, a lot of them are now starting to do that, which is great.
4: Yeah, it has to be done. For me, those have to be put away. Those businesses have to be closed because it is completely unacceptable. Well, you're doing a great job, and thank you so much for
0: doing that. Conrad Birdworth, the managing director of Paradisus, right here in Playa del Carmen in Mexico in the
2: state of Quintana Roo. You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location
1: somewhere around the world.
0: If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com/survey.
3: Look around; you can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars,
0: but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.